Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to The Daily Sunup. The Daily Sunup podcast is a conversation with the Colorado Sun. See our trust indicators at coloradosun.com slash ethics. It's Wednesday, January 24th. Today, Colorado Sun political reporters Jesse Paul and Brian Eason discussed turmoil in the Colorado House Republican Caucus after news broke last week that Minority Leader Mike Lynch had been arrested in September 2022 on suspicion of drunken driving. Before we begin, a special thank you to all our Colorado Sun members listening. It's thanks to you that The Sun continues to bring trustworthy, independent journalism to readers and listeners across our state. If you're not yet a member and want to join us, visit coloradosun.com slash join to sign up. While you're there, check out our member e-newsletters like Colorado Sunday, The Temperature, and more. Together, we'll keep Colorado informed in 2024. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. On this day in 2008, Douglas Bruce, a notable conservative figure in Colorado politics, was censured by the General Assembly, a first in its history. Originally from California, Bruce gained prominence in Colorado Springs for advocating strict tax limitations. His efforts culminated in the 1992 passage of the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, or TABOR, mandating voter approval for tax hikes and capping government spending. Despite legal challenges, TABOR remains influential, leading to the term debrucing for efforts to ease these fiscal restrictions. Bruce's legislative career was marred by controversy, including an indictment in 2010 for financial crimes. Nevertheless, his influence persists in Colorado's political and legal spheres. Before we continue, did you know the Colorado Sun has a mobile app so you can read the news from anywhere, whether you're on the couch, taking the bus to work, or in the car on the way to the mountains? Visit coloradosun.com app to download today. Next, our feature story. Good morning, Daily Sunup listeners. It is Wednesday morning, and I'm here at the state capitol with uh, my fellow politics reporter, Jesse Paul. I'm Brian Eason. Hey, Brian. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. We're down here in the basement. A lot of business is going on outside. Things are kind of starting to heat up here at the legislature. So last week, we got some kind of uh, alarming news about minority leader Mike Lynch. Uh, he had been arrested in 2022 on suspicion of drunk driving. Jesse, walk us through what, what happened there. Yeah, so this kind of came out of the blue. The Denver Post first reported it back on Wednesday that the minority leader had been arrested on Interstate 25 by a Colorado State Patrol trooper, kind of between Fort Collins and Wellington, which is his hometown. Uh, he sped past the trooper going about 90 miles per hour when the p- trooper pulled him over, uh, rolled down the window of the vehicle. The, the minority leader, leader was driving a electric Ford Mustang, kind of crossover vehicle, smelled a bunch of alcohol. Minority leader comes out of the car. Uh, the state trooper asks him to do some roadside maneuvers, and the minority leader immediately asks the trooper to call Mike Hahn, who is the Colorado State Patrol's Basically, they're lobbyists at the Capitol. Will you do some roadsides for me tonight? Prove to me that you're okay to be driving. Can you call Mike on? Who's Mike on? Oh, well, well, never mind. No, no, yes, sir. I'll do whatever you want okay. to do. Okay. Okay. Who's Mike? Mike is a captain of the state patrol that. Okay. Why do you want I'm, me to I'm, call Mike? Nope, I don't want you to call anybody. Okay. I'm sorry, I did not say that. Okay. Say that. Well, you did. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I take it you're friends with Mike? Yes. Okay. All right. And I'm, I'm a state representative. Okay. Then kind of walked back that request and said, oh, I didn't say that. Um, then the trooper kind of proceeded to do uh, roadside maneuvers, kind of the drunk driving tests that we're all familiar with. 
Um, one of the troopers on scene said that the minority leader did a quote-unquote atrocious job at those, blew into a breathalyzer, was double the legal limit, uh, blew a 0.16 legal limit to drive in Colorado, was 0.08, was arrested, uh, and then eventually pleaded guilty to driving while ability impaired, which is a little bit lesser charge than the DUI, and possession of a gun while drunk. Um, and he's currently still on probation. This had, again, never come out before. A few months after this arrest had happened, he was elected the minority leader, the top Republican in the Colorado House, to replace Hugh McKean, who had died suddenly just after this arrest had actually happened. And, you know, kind of the, the wheels of political gamesmanship and debate started up. And, and so now here we are uh, a couple of days later, and, and he's in a lot of hot water. Yeah. How have his colleagues in the House uh, reacted to this news? So Minority Leader Lynch made the decision not to tell his caucus about this arrest before he was elected the leader of the caucus. And so there were some frustrations uh, in the caucus after they found out about this and people felt like he hadn't been entirely truthful. State representative here, and uh, if there's anything we can do to kind of keep the, keep the press out of this, that'd be great. But I know that's not a lot, that's not a lot of in your control. So. Well, I'm not calling the press. The minority leader, we asked him about why he didn't share the information. He said, well, you know, it happened not in session. I was still trying to understand what was going on, that the case hadn't been adjudicated yet. Again, it was pretty clear from the time that he was pulled over that, that he was intoxicated. He had a very high blood alcohol level. Uh, I think there was no question about what was going to happen. But that hasn't totally pleased the members of his caucus. And so on Monday, when they got back at the Capitol, after kind of considering this over the weekend, there was a caucus vote called of no confidence against the minority leader. And he just barely survived it on a 9-9 tie vote. Wow. You know, we spoke with uh, the House Speaker earlier today, and she had some uh, some words about Lynch's arrest as well. She called it deeply concerning. And she said that, you know, what's happening right now with the Republican caucus is is a distraction. So there's kind of some political pressure on both sides for Republicans to get this resolved. What are you expecting to see happen next? Is there a logical, is there a consensus candidate to replace him if he gets voted out? Yeah, so I guess walking back, looking at that 9-9 vote, it's important to understand that there are 19 members of the caucus, so one was missing during that vote. It was Representative Stephanie Luck, a Republican from Penrose, who just recently had a baby, so she hasn't been at the Capitol. And when the vote was taken, it came out 9-9. Some of Lynch's opponents, led by Representative Scott Bottoms, kind of a Republican firebrand from Colorado Springs, said, look, Stephanie Luck should have been here. Let's try and get her on the the phone or, or have her join over Zoom virtually. Um, so she could cast her ballot, assuming that, that she would oppose Lynch. She's kind of an ally of those um, Lynch opponents in the caucus. They said no. Um, and so the meeting adjourned. It got kicked to another day. So one thing to mention before I move on, that 9-9 vote included a vote by Mike Lynch. I'm assuming it was to maintain his position. So if Lynch wasn't casting a ballot, if he had stayed from the vote, he would have just lost outright on Monday. So now we advanced to Tuesday today when we're recording this. Another vote was called uh, trying to get Stephanie Luck in the room. And there was questions about whether or not this caucus meeting had been noticed properly or how to call it. And ultimately, after some fighting and yelling at each other and uh, talking to the media, it was kind of like this big spectacle with all the reporters at the Capitol watching this unfold in the in a basement committee room. They decided to reschedule the vote for 
Thursday at 8 a.m. And it is pretty unclear whether or not uh, Mike Lynch will be able to survive that if Stephanie Locke is back, if all the nine people who uh, voted against him, the other nine people voted against him on Monday return. It looks like the minority leader may no longer have his leadership position. Uh, so that's that's something to keep an eye on. And in terms of replacements, it's kind of unclear. Scott Bottoms seemed like he would be someone who was interested in that. He said, no, I don't want to do it. The obvious choice is uh, assistant House Minority Leader Rose Publisi, but she's only in her second year in the Capitol. Again, unclear whether or not she has enough support to actually win that seat. And, and this is all kind of exacerbating or highlighting divisions that are in the House Republican Caucus that have been brewing for years with more conservative members on one side, more moderate ones on the other. Now you've got this Mike Lynch DUI situation kind of like scrambling everything up in the first couple of days of session and, and making things just more complicated. Yeah, and Representative Lynch is, is running for Congress as well. How has he responded? Uh, what's he been saying about, about his arrest now that's come out? In some ways, I think he's been talking out of two sides of his mouth. To the kind of Capitol press corps, he said, look, I made a huge mistake on this. It shouldn't have happened. And then he's been going on now conservative talk radio and like attacking reporters for covering it. I think he called it a hit job to, to one person. One of the conservative talk radio folks said, look, I don't understand how this is a hit job. It's just the facts. In our conversations, it seems like he knew that this was always a possibility that it was going to come out. I don't know how you would run for Congress and not think that this was going to be something that surfaced. Anyone who does uh, you know, politics or works in the political realm knows that opposition research, where you kind of dig into another candidate's past, the first thing you do is plug in their you know, date of birth and their um, name and, and things like this come up. And it's, again, surprising. You know, shame on us as the Capitol Press Corps for not knowing about this. We've got 100 lawmakers here at the Capitol to look at it. it it's costly to do background checks. Doing a, a full background check for all 100 lawmakers would cost at least $1,000. And then, um, you know, you have to find out the date of birth and things like that. But obviously, somebody knew about this, leaked it first to the Denver Post, who reported on it. And now we kind of are where we are. And I think the minority leader was surprised about the reaction. I didn't. I think he thought that it wasn't going to be quite as fierce um, and as swift as it has been. All right, Jesse, well, thank you so much. Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. A state task force is calling on the Colorado legislature and Governor Jared Polis to push for improvements in a federally managed irrigation system that has fallen into disrepair. The problems involve the Pine River Indian Irrigation Project, which supplies water to about 400 users in southwestern Colorado, many of them native farmers and ranchers. The Bureau of Indian Affairs manages the system, and federal estimates say it would take $35 million to fix decades of unaddressed problems. But federal officials and tribes disagree on who should pay. Colorado has the third longest wait list in the nation for people charged with crimes and ordered into psychiatric treatment. The state has for years been short on inpatient psychiatric beds for people with severe mental illnesses. That has created a backlog that means people wait months for care and sit in jail instead of a hospital. The National Treatment Advocacy Center said the number of psychiatric beds at Colorado's two state mental hospitals dropped by 20% in the past seven years to 482 last year. Colorado had 448 people on the wait list for psychiatric services, waiting an average of 66 days. More than 3,000 temporary workers serving food or cleaning hotel rooms are employees, not gig workers, and should be treated as such. That was the message from the Denver Auditor in a decision that seeks more than $1 million in penalties against two staffing agencies. InstaWork and GigPro specialize in hourly workers for the restaurant and hospitality industries and call their workers independent contractors. 
But like permanent employees, these workers go through a vetting process, confirm shifts a day in advance, comply with dress codes, and receive performance reviews. The companies are accused of unpaid wage and overtime violations and failing to provide sick leave. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. Now, a quick message from our team. Hi, I'm Tamara Chung, and I write about business and technology for the Colorado Sun. A large part of my beat is the Colorado economy and covering the ups and downs of losing a job, finding a job, running a business, all that fun stuff. You'll find coverage every Saturday in What's Working, and it's free because we feel all Coloradans need to know this stuff in order to stay better informed. You know, that's how we roll here, by the way. And that's why we'd appreciate your support to help keep the Colorado Sun sustainable. If you'd like to become a member, you can just go to coloradosun.com slash join today. Thanks.